And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NBA podcast. It's Friday. It's March 8th. I'm Doug Norrie. That is... James Davis. Oh, we're going to talk a nine-game NBA slate. Following a two-game slate yesterday that I never had like less to do leading into a lineup block. There was just <laughs> nothing happened. It was crazy. I mean, the, the games ended up being, well, the, the Bucks and Pacers game ended up being kind of blowout. OKC and Portland went to overtime. But man, the two-game slate, I kind of just sat there. We were all just in chat. We were talking about like other things besides basketball. I can't remember. There was like something else that came up. Um, that which just ended up being not basketball. It was like, so I think we're going to get a change here for Friday where we're going to get a lot more. Um, if you were, for some reason, Thursday was your first foray into foray, foray. How do you pronounce that word? Foray. Is that how you say it? I'm just going to let, I'm just going to let you keep saying it. <laughs> Furry. <laughs> it was your first time playing DFS. Thursday was not the one, not the slate that uh, is an approximation of what the rest is going to be like. But Friday in the ABA, we have plenty to talk about. Buddy, you were fired up about LeBron um, offline here for a couple seconds. Do you want to, like, and then you got mad at me and sort of arguing with me about it, even though I wasn't really arguing. I, I don't know that I was mad at you, but you were like, <laughs> you, you you inhabited the role of the uh, the unsmart person who Whoa. argues against LeBron, at least in my mind. In my mind, that's what was happening. So that's why I was getting fired up. Because you know what, Doug? I think you're better than that. And I, I just have big expectations of you. So We were talking about that. And I, I, I was mostly just... I like to say, I like to come after an argument, say what, understand what the other side thinks, even if it's incorrect. And you, yeah, you seem to you seem to project it right onto me. You got really mad. I was like, it was very awkward here for the first for the ten minutes. Ten minutes. Before <laughs> I don't know if it was that awkward. Very, very awkward. Um, maybe you felt maybe now you're projecting a little bit simply because you felt the uh, the tight grip of logic surrounding your emotional argument that you just wish LeBron would have stayed on the Cavs or whatever. I do wish so. he would stay with the Cavs. And but anyway, but I had said that last year. But that's that's uh, <laughs> that's mostly just for that's, that was mostly just to beat down the dum dums who want to say that he's not one of the, he's not the best player ever. So anyway, okay, we can talk about that. We'll talk about that next time LeBron plays and we're doing a podcast. We got nine games to talk about here. Um, I, one more thing too. The other thing that was sad too is when there was a note last night that said this is like sort of why I was thinking about it. Also, was that. They said that the Lakers are effectively shutting LeBron down now. Only going to play 20 to 30 minutes of minutes a game. Um, not going to rest on back-to-backs. So I guess he'll finally get much-needed rest after being in the finals for like 15 straight years. But that's going to be – it's a very different NBA season going to be without LeBron James in the playoffs. Whatever. Nine games for FanDuel, DraftKings, Yahoo tonight. Plenty to talk about. Plenty of injury news as well to discuss as we sort of break down the slate. We'll go through game by game, talk about some betting uh, lines as well because there's – some intriguing stuff, and I have some questions for you about where some of these lines are landing. Washington goes in and plays the Hornets. We narrowly, narrowly missed playing Kemba the other night, which was nice. <laughs> he was a guy that was kind of sniffing around our lineups. But tonight, this game's got a 234.5 over, or over under. Charlotte, 4.5 point favorite. Kemba is like sort of a guy showing up maybe in lineups. Would you be willing to go back to him possibly? Like, And do you understand like why our system sort of maybe possibly drawing him out, especially in DraftKings 8100? Yeah, I mean, it's hard uh, to justify it on FanDuel, back-to-back games now, and there are some signs of fatigue in my mind when I look at Kemba right now, like, 
one example is 75 minutes in the last two games, which is two rebounds. Like, I just wonder if, I don't know, like if he's just kind of like, you know something, it's not the easiest thing in the world to play 38 to 40 minutes every single night in the NBA and try to carry a team to your to the playoffs single-handedly. Uh, that being said, it's it's back-to-back tougher matchups. We've seen that Kemba has been able to punish the weaker teams defensively. Uh, the games prior to that, Brooklyn and Houston, he was excellent, I mean, particularly on those DraftKings prices. So I think you can pay 8100 for him on DraftKings with a pretty clear conscience. If he were showing up in FanDuel, I would give it a little bit more pause. So that's kind of where I'm landing right yeah, now. He's not in a top lineup right now. There's plenty of time before lineups lock, so these things are never set in stone. I, I don't mind it. Um, I... Again, wouldn't be excited. Again, he's very scoring dependent, even for a point guard. There's some point guards that are like this. Jamal Murray's kind of like this. Uh, Kemba's kind of like this, where they really do need to score a lot to make up for some of these prices. And they can score in bunches. Like when he becomes a volume shooter, and especially getting to the rim, paying this price at times seems like no big thing. And Washington's defense is suspect. I did write up Frank uh, Kaminsky and Marvin Williams as power forward plays on this slate. Williams is 4,400 on DraftKings. Uh, Kaminsky, I think, is still under 4K on FanDuel. Kamin- nice, 4,400. Still, though, I mean, Kaminsky, he, he had a, basically a season of DMP CDs. The guy was just not playing. He wasn't mm-hmm. hurt. He just They just didn't want to play him at all. And now, all of a sudden, he's playing, you know, 25-ish minutes a game and taking a ton of shots. Like, he's doubled his shots in limited run. Do you think this is to s- sustains now? I mean, where is, is Kaminsky safe to play? I was not really feeling it because he's still coming off the bench, and these guys can kind of disappear, but... Every game that goes by, that's looking more and more wrong. Yeah, I mean, I think he can sustain 23 or 24 minutes a game. I don't know if that makes him worth 4,400, unfortunately. I think the time to play Kaminsky, you know, especially on DraftKings when he was like, you know, whatever it was, 3,200 or something like that, uh, that time has sort of passed. So I think now he is more in the, you know, if you just simply need someone in the $4,400 range, then you can pass it um where that's like kind of half of your drop or something like that i think you can get away with it i don't think you just want to plug and play him even though he has played uh relatively consistent minutes and has been shooting a decent amount off the bench like you said he's just uh it's not like he's crushing the price right it's not like he's scoring 38 points a game 38 fantasy points a game and he'll just kill you if you don't have him he's basically just been solid on a 4400 price tag so yeah playable but not exciting. and one thing i would caution because i think people are going to want to play him i have him about 23 24 minutes right now which seems fair he shot in the last three games he's shooting 54 percent from three that's just not going to sustain he's just no, no one's mm-hmm. a 54 percent three-point shooter he's a good three, he's a good three good three-point three-point shooter he's you know 35 36 percent for his career four just means on those three attempts per game the shooting is just going to kind of round back in. He doesn't do much else. There's no assists, no blocks, no steals are coming his way, and the occasional rebounding game. And then Marvin Williams, he's kind of the other way. He's been shooting, he's been shooting more. No, actually, no, I take that back. He's been shooting about nine shots per game. He did, had a bigger game in terms of shooting last one, three, but only shot three for twelve. But his minutes have been hovering 33, 38, 29 in a loss, and then 35. They're both around the same price, I, and the points per dollar is close on these two guys. Would you rather? Do you have an inkling about which one you'd rather play, Williams or Kaminsky? Seems like they're they're very close in our system. Like I said, they're very closely priced as well. Yeah, I mean, Williams is a little bit more expensive. I think I'd rather just play Kaminsky. The fantasy production has been basically the same, except for Kaminsky's cheaper. So I think if you are in that position, you can probably pick Kaminsky. I think the thing that Charlotte's kind of getting worn out on Marvin Williams about is that he's really not contributing offensively. He certainly does some of these other things better than Kaminsky does, but when he's out there, he's not really... A great viable option where Kaminsky can help them stretch the floor a little bit more effectively. So, yeah, I think I'd go with Kaminsky. And again, wouldn't be thrilled to play either. 
Yeah, and you do get a good matchup against Washington. They yeah, start true. a bunch of bigs like Jabari and Portis, who just really don't play much in the way of defense. They go small a lot. So this is a good matchup. Like I said, the total. The reason I'm spending a lot of time in this game is because the total is very high, and I do think the Charlotte guys in general are in good spots. Um, and you are just gonna have to sort of rely on them, them each one almost to a man catching fire and just hitting their shots. Washington Sadoransky played a lot last game. I do think we're getting basically fair pricing on everyone on this team at this point. Um, you know, every once in a while, I kind of wish that Portis would just get like a 35-minute game in him, but that just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Jabari's still coming off the bench. I don't really know what we're getting yeah. value-wise in terms of the Wizards at this point. Dallas goes in and plays Orlando. Orlando seven-point favorites. I, sh- I should mention one more thing, too, about uh, the Hornets, and it has to do with Orlando as well. These three teams, and the, the Heat are in this as well. These three teams are basically fighting out the last playoff spot in the East. Uh, Heat have 30 wins. Magic have 30 wins. Hornets have 29 wins. It's generous of you to not talk about their losses when you, uh, you third, do that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Try to focus on the positives. Yeah. About four, four to six games under 500 at this point. East is such a disaster here <laughs> in the exactly. bottom. But uh, I mean, I guess the Wizards are kind of in this role too. They have 27 wins, 37 losses. Battling for the last play. Well, they are. I mean, hey, they, the reason it's important is because I think when we are, when they, whatever the record is, they are still going for the playoffs. If they, if they beat Charlotte in this game, they will be tied with Charlotte for. That second to being out of the playoffs in the East, but they will be closer. So, so we got we have a leverage game on our hands. I do the reason it's important to mention is because I basically think at this point of the season for these teams we can go something like max minutes on a lot of their guys yeah. because that they are the incentive to win is there and incentive to win at this point in the season is almost the most important thing in terms of DFS. So um, the Hornets are there, the Magic are there as well. They uh, they face Dallas. Luca randomly gets like the 36, 37 minute game the other night and was awesome. It was so annoying because he never plays that much and he just all of a sudden just kind of played a lot of minutes. So we can talk a little bit about him. And then the Orlando side, I want to be aggressive on their minutes as well for the starters. Terrence Ross is coming back this game, but the rest of these guys, uh, do you see, could you see rostering any of them uh, in a game where we can feel, feel pretty confident, at least the starters, maybe outside of DJ Augustine, are going to play a lot? Yeah, so I can't say I'm especially bullish on Luca here. I think probably people will go back to the well because he was randomly highly owned in that Washington game. It was just a night where, to give a little context around that in case you played that night and weren't sure what was going on, why there were so many different guys in the 20% to 25% ownership range, it was just really hard. There were like two positions that people were having difficulty on and then a lot of chalk elsewhere like Alex Len, uh, some Boston guys. I can't remember all of them off the top of my head, but... Uh, and Luca was one of those, and he was one of these guys in the eight to nine thousand dollar range that about twenty five percent of the field landed on. I think because he was basically a salary filler would be my guess, and he really got there and then some against Washington. But the real real thing you have to ask yourself is, is he a thirty five to thirty seven minute player? Because he has shown flashes of that even as recently as February, or is it more like in normal game scripts he's going to play thirty two to thirty four minutes? And because I think if it's on that lower end, it's really tough to pay a season-high price tag for him, even in a reasonable matchup here. So I can't say I would want to play Luka tonight, but I would imagine that he'll have, you know, double-digit at least ownership percentage. Yeah, at this point, Dallas, like, their their lottery odds are kind of set. Like, there's really not too much fighting to get lower. They, they're not going to ever reach the bottom, like, where the Knicks and Suns and Cavs and Bulls are. So, and then they're really, at that point, the lottery odds really just don't, you're just going to be by a game or a loss or two. So I think you can safely put him in like that mid thir- mid to low 30s range, but he's just so expensive at this point. Like I just don't even know on a big slate if I'm getting away with anything. What about the Magic? Um, set Like I said, seven-point favorites. They have some guys that can fill it up at times, uh, and I'm wondering too if we've just seen the same Magic team for enough of this season that 
short of a short slate or guy, even guys like Ross or maybe you know one of their bigger guys missing. I'm not sure if we're getting a lot of value out of that team. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. I mean, like, uh, you know, we've played Vooch a handful of times this season. We played Aaron Gordon when the price was right and the matchup was right. I think at this point, though, like you can look at them. And if you look, if you view kind of five times points per dollar being the kind of production you're looking for from a cash game sort of play, uh, Vooch is under that over the course of the season. Gordon is under that in spite of having, you know, like we said, relatively similar roles. Uh, Isaac is under that. I think you're not really seeing any, there's no clear value on this team in league average matchups. And that's basically what you get with Orlando, or uh, with Dallas here. So I'm not going to be very interested in playing any Dallas, or I'm sorry, geez Louise. I'm not going to be interested in playing or any Orlando guys against Dallas uh, on such a big slate here. Yep, I totally agree. Uh, two other guys to mention uh, from this game that one is Jalen Brunson did play a lot of minutes. He's not gonna. He's listed as a point guard, but he's essentially the shooting guard, off guard with Luca on the court. And then uh, Dwight Powell still playing a lot of minutes with he played. Maxi Kleber was out last game. Kleber's questionable, but Powell's price at this point has come up to be to re- reflect that he's been starting and kind of crushing for the for the short term. So I don't yeah. know. Dwight Powell was a value for a little while, and I don't think I think those days are kind of over. Utah goes in and plays Memphis, 8 o'clock game. Utah five-point favorite. The news here is that Ricky Rubio is out already. Uh, Raul Nato has been ruled out as well, so they are going to probably go back to the Royce O'Neal starting for Rubio, but Donovan Mitchell yeah. is will, will be the point guard. Do you think... Now, this is a matchup against Memphis. I get why our system really likes Royce O'Neal. Last time Royce O'Neal played for Rubio, he played like 40 minutes. That's the good news. Yeah. The bad news is he was stone-cold terrible. <laughs> like in four, It takes like 40 minutes... Just doesn't mean shit for this guy because he doesn't do almost anything when he shares the court with the starters. Would you be willing, though, at 3,500 to just say, Royce O'Neal's the punt, he's going to start. Maybe he just does enough in, the, in those you know high 30s minutes. Still a bad matchup against Memphis. He's the he's kind of the main... It's crazy to just talk about one guy from a game, but Royce O'Neal does, I think, warrant that kind of discussion here in this league. Yeah, I think you, could, you play Royce O'Neal, uh, particularly on FanDuel where you can drop your lowest score. He didn't quite get there the last time. This happened, but if you go back just a little bit further when he was playing kind of mid-20s minutes, he was pretty reliably putting up, you know, mid-20s fantasy points, and I think that's kind of the expectation here. I think he's also the type of guy, and he had some huge games too the last time Rubio was really hurt, like, you know, 40 fantasy points against Cleveland. Uh, He can get it done on the boards too. Uh, He could pay this price on rebounds alone if things break the right way, so I don't think he's the type of guy you want to fade because of one bad game. I think he's the type of player that... If he was like 60% owned and you didn't have him, there's just a pretty reasonable chance he goes, you know, 8 to 10x or something and you're, you're really feeling it. So I would definitely play Royce O'Neal in all my cash game lineups tonight uh, if it were, you know, clear that he was going to be the starter here. I think he's going to be, I, I think it's pretty clear that he'll be the starter. I mean, short of just, I, this is, that we just have a pretty good approximation because it happened a couple games ago. Uh, I, I'm a little less excited about doing it on DraftKings, I guess, at 3,300. I, I, I don't mind on FanDuel because of the drop. I DraftKings at 3,300, I get why he's in all the lineups and when at least like low 3,000 guys show up at 30 plus minutes, typically our system is just going to want you to play them and just say, look, you're just going to live with it because he's, he's so cheap. And you kind of talked me out of it knowing that maybe I'm using too much of a one-game sample size. Memphis going the other way, I just, they're Mike Conley sometimes plays minutes. The rest of these guys really aren't. Ivan Rabb sometimes plays, sometimes doesn't. I don't know. Really, I don't think at this point you're getting much out of Utah. I will say Memphis is at least playing hard, but they're not. They don't seem like DFS viable at this point. What about actually? Let me go back to Utah real quick. What about Mitchell? Knowing that he's going to run the point guard, the usage does climb a little bit without Rubio on the court. Would you be willing to go to Mitchell here, even knowing it's against a slower, sort of still defensively sound Memphis team, or just too big of a slate to consider it? 
I don't know if it's too big of a slate to consider it. I think it's a plausible option. Um, the usage climbs a little bit, but not by very much. It's really the assists that you're hoping for when Rubio's off the court for Mitchell, obviously averaging four assists on the season and, you know, ticking up to the seven, eight, nine range. Um, you know, the problem with Mitchell, I guess, is that his baseline is still not very great on a $9,000 price tag, you know, scoring 37 fantasy points a game in spite of being in a position where he's playing pretty much the same minutes all season means that you'd really need a very, very significant bump to get him into value territory. Like, and it's pretty rare that one player goes down outside of like the, you know, Russell Westbrook, James Harden type players that you would want to project a guy for a 20% increase in fantasy production. And you throw in a bad matchup with Memphis. And I think that you can, you can basically just play it by ear as lock approaches. Like this is definitely not a situation. Like I've seen people in our chat all the time be like, Oh, can we really fade Mitchell with no Rubio? It's like, yes, you can. (laughs) If he winds up in your lineups, you can do that too. But it's kind of a neutral play. It's not not great, and it's not terrible either. I think we get bailed out on the decision a little bit too because it's Memphis. So I think that if, it was, if this was like Atlanta, we'd be having a different discussion. Um, sure. Luckily, it's just it just is Memphis, and I, I just I think that helps ease some of the tension around whether or not we want to do it. Yeah, slowest uh, team in the league, top six defense. You don't need to. Do it. Exactly. All right, let's keep rolling through some of these games. Miami uh, hosts Cleveland. Miami's an eight and a half point favorite uh, against the Cavs. Larry Nance, I made much ado about Larry Nance's rebounding numbers dropping off when Kevin Love was around, and then he went back out and just double-digit rebounded last game. So that was kind of like an F you to all the, th- the, re- the all the all everything I had looked into and made salient points about it, and then just kind of went right out the window. Now they are, again, they're underdogs, and Cleveland's going to be without Zizek and Tristan Thompson again, so Nance theoretically should draw the start. Has he climbed too much? out of the zone of value against a bat or against a pretty slow defensively sound Miami team. And is there anything you like on the heat? Yeah, that's the big issue with Nance. Now you have to pay 900 more to get the same guy. And uh, if I was making a, I also don't want to overreact to the small sample of just the one game uh, because he was good against Brooklyn, but there were a few outlier stats there. Uh, I think you could argue the points and I think the steals too. He's more like a one defensive stat a game guy, even on 30 minutes, uh, maybe 1.5, and getting those extra eight points or whatever from those steals that you probably didn't earn, <laughs> they probably just kind of fell into your lap, is not something you can rely on going forward. So Nance, yeah, just in that same category of a few guys we've talked about were playable, but I'm not over the moon to play him at 6,500. I think uh, if you wind up with him in your lineups, it's mostly just because it's power forward in the year 2019 and, and nothing else. I take the back. Zizek is questionable coming out of the concussion protocol, so um, he actually might end up playing. That would just render that most of that discussion moot if Zizek did play, because he would probably draw the start. Uh, Miami, they kept they kept Bam in the starting lineup last game, uh, and that really just kind of dusts off the minutes out of the center position. Though Kelly Olynyk played like forty five minutes or something. I had to look this up. It was some crazy number that maybe had to double take about whether the game went to overtime or not, and it just didn't. Yeah, he played forty five minutes last game. Um, he went twenty two and eleven. Play twenty four the game before. I like. Are we still in the like, just can't overreact to Miami minutes? Um, because if I gave Kelly Olynyk like thirty seven minutes, that the system would just probably jam him in almost any price. <laughs> but um, what are your thoughts on where we land on his minutes? And then I mean, some of these other guys like Richardson, Winslow, Goran Dragic is questionable for this game. Has sat out the last couple. Yeah, I mean, I usually have a difficult time feeling enthusiastic about Olynyk unless there's a lot of obvious. Just guys who physically can't take the court. Uh, that's usually when I start trusting <laughs> Heat big guys. Right. And I was happy to play Olenek and Bam when we were missing both Whiteside and Johnson. But with both Whiteside and Johnson available tonight, I would have a hard time going that direction. Um, actually, oh, this is kind of strange. 
No, I, I guess I can't. Did, did we get firm word on James Johnson's availability? No, he's been sure. available. He's just not playing. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He's, right. he, he's um, been just a DMP. He went from this is classic Miami. Like the guy was starting for the entire season. He was right. hurt. He came back and he's totally healthy. And that guy, he's just a hundred percent out of the rotation now. So I don't really <laughs> know. I don't really know where to land on him. Um, I mean, you can't wait. Well, I know where to land. You don't give him any minutes. I, it's mostly just right. But will he come in and cut into anyone else's minutes? I guess is the question. I don't. It does. Who knows? Like yeah. I said, the Linux played twenty four minutes a game before. This is what Miami does. I just don't really know. I will say, if Dragic is out, I don't mind Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade has been playing more minutes off the bench when they are short on ball handlers, and that's specifically what happens when Dragic is out because they're all you know after trading Tyler Johnson, um, they are really out of any reasonable ball handling type of guys outside of like Winslow and Richardson, and those. Those guys are kind of just round peg square hole situation, right? At this point with Miami, right. so I, I wouldn't mind Wade. I don't think, and I don't know. It's still, still not. Yeah, it's funny because like especially with Winslow and like Derek Jones, it actually seems like their minutes, like Olenek got some of their minutes in that Charlotte game, which I don't know will be the plan going forward. Like that sounds like it. That has the feeling of something that could have been matchup dependent. Uh, but yeah, who knows? I, again, the Linux price has also come up to where I don't think you need to tear your hair out about it too much. All right, I'm going to take a quick break, and then we will come back and do the rest of these games. Fall is finally here, and so is Old Navy's big fall sale. Get thousands of styles from just 5 bucks. All your fall favorites are on sale now. Layer up with $5 tees and $10 long-sleeve tees for the whole family, and stock up on sweaters and dresses for just $15. Plus, save even more with up to 75% off clearance styles. Don't miss out. Hurry in for thousands of styles from just 5 bucks now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1015 to 1025 select styles only. Fall is finally here, and so is Old Navy's big fall sale. Get thousands of styles from just 5 bucks. All your fall favorites are on sale now. Layer up with $5 tees and $10 long-sleeve tees for the whole family, and stock up on sweaters and dresses for just $15. Plus, save even more with up to 75% off clearance styles. Don't miss out. Hurry in for thousands of styles from just 5 bucks now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1015 to 1025, select styles only. All right, there's, this is a weird one. Uh, Philly and Houston has a spread but no over-under at this point. And I, <laughs> I, I, it's, it's weird, right? Because, like, yeah. well, actually, I take that back. There's a spread in some spots uh, at minus 7 for Houston. Some other spots, the, the, the game's just totally off the board. And then no one has an over-under. I have an over-under, no, 231.5. Oh, that saying. must have just updated then. Because yeah. as of this, as of I just haven't refreshed these pages then. Because uh, what where, where do you see that line? On what, uh, what site? I'll send it to you. It's not worth okay. promoting people on our podcast for, no, gotcha. for free. Okay, I, I'm looking, yeah, no problem. I'm looking at a, a couple different books. I'm not seeing it. It doesn't matter. I, it, was, it just struck me as weird at that, like, why they... Sorry, you just... Okay, yeah. Sorry, this this is a good podcast because now I'm looking at what you just chatted me. Okay, Um, it was just struck me as weird that these that there was no line for a game that had all of the injury news set, and the injury news mostly being that Embiid's still not going to play. I'm actually getting increasingly concerned that there's something more wrong with Embiid here. And well, like knee soreness is one of those injuries that can mean a lot of different things and have a lot of different levels of seriousness. So I think if you're just looking at the writing on the wall and being like, "Huh, this guy's missed an awful lot of time," you have every reason to be concerned here. Oh, and I, I just someone that really wants to see the Sixers win. Um, I, I'm just this is kind of what happened with the old depot. It was like the knees kind of sore, the knees kind of sore. He comes back, and then that's like the end of the season. I'm not saying that they're one to one correlated, but lingering knee issues, especially out of a guy that's like over seven feet tall, 
this late in the season where Philly really just wants to probably have him healthy and play. I don't know, man. I would just like to enjoy the playoffs. Is that so much to ask? Like, I just like these teams to have their full roster so there's no excuses. We could just see who the best teams are. Like, it was annoying with Boston last year with Kyrie. We already got the Oladipo thing, staining the East. Like, just be healthy. Go out there, play. I just want to see who's better. We're rooting for you, Joel. Come, come back healthy. Anyway, without him, um, we've still seen just Ben Simmons be able to maintain a very high fantasy floor. He's averaged something over 50 fantasy points a game since the All-Star break, and that was when Embiid has been out since. Uh, Butler's production's kind of come and gone. Tobias Harris was looking great and then just cratered last game. Can we run these guys out again? The prices have all ticked up a little bit. Can we run them out here against Houston in a game that has a really high total? They are underdogs, and... I guess there's like some concern, I guess, that Houston can blow them up, but I guess not really. What are your thoughts on Philly? Then we'll talk about Houston. Yeah, I think you probably want to be cautious with some of the higher, the higher regarded Sixer plays like Ben Simmons. Uh, the price has come up, uh, and we were already sort of on an island with him in terms of cash game ownership last game. Uh, likewise with Jimmy Butler in the revenge game with Chicago. <laughs> Uh, he was re- pretty lowly owned. I think it was like 15 16%. And wound up not quite getting in there on these price tags. I think you probably want to exercise some amount of caution now. Uh, Butler's price hasn't gone up in the same way that Simmons has. But his performance was also not really being justified on these price tags in the same way that Simmons had. So I don't think I'd be too pumped to play any Philly guys. And likewise with Tobias Harris. I, I don't know what happened last game. But if I, if I don't have to play this guy, I probably wouldn't would not want to do that. So... As of right now, I did write up Ben Simmons. I, I wrote up Butler as well because um, I think from a points per dollar standpoint, they're still kind of in range. Butler's more in range on DraftKings. He's like 7,000 or 7,200 on DraftKings. He's not unplayable uh, Simmons- on FanDuel either. It's just like you're not you're not crushing it. And you're you, especially on FanDuel, I think you won't be – you're not looking at 20% plus ownership on him. So as long as you're aware right. of that. Um, I guess one, one caveat to this, though, is – the Sixers really do present kind of a conundrum for the Rockets' backcourt in that oftentimes they can kind of hide Harden on whoever is the worst offensive player. And the fact that they can bring Simmons and Butler kind of makes that a lot more problematic. And, you know, it's not always one-to-one. The Rockets have other guys. They can stick on Butler and so forth. But um, I think that does, you know, you don't want to use strict DVP matchups for teams like the Rockets where uh, they're really kind of playing it by ear based on who the actual guys are and not what their average production is, you know. Yeah, the Sixers actually worked like this too. The Sixers, you can't really use DVP numbers on either because they just kind of like Simmons, like, right. what the hell is he? Like he's the like point guard, small forward, sort of center at times. Like I don't, like he's all over the place and especially with him beat out. So I, I don't mind them. Like I, I'd be unexcited at 8,200 on Butler to play him in FanDuel and it's coming closer on DraftKings in that 7,000 range. Probably still not all that exciting a uh, play either. And then Houston, they are seven-point favorites. They're healthy. They're playing very well right now. Harden just nightly just seems just kind of get his, at least from the scoring. The assist numbers with Paul around are a little bit different. Uh, what are your thoughts on Can we pay all the way up for Harden in this matchup? Uh, the Sixers definitely worse defensively without Embiid around. Like they have had, They've really struggled, especially late in games, with, like, with their crunch time units to just really stop anybody. Harden took, has taken 30-plus shots in the last three games, 35-42, and 58 points over the last three. I mean, is he just the pay-up option here against the Sixers team? That is, I will say, that it does seem like the, they, the two things about the Sixers here. Without Embiid, they play faster, and the defense is worse. Mm-hmm. Can, we, can, we, can we roster him at, at almost peak prices on Harden? 
Uh, yeah, well, the price actually come down a little bit. Uh, that's kind of the way I was going to go with this. Uh, you know, he was in that 12.6, 12.7. And of course, when Paul was out, he was over 13 on FanDuel. He's down to 12,000 now. And you're seeing a guy that can kind of do that on a in a league average matchup. It's not without risk, of course. But if you have a night and it looks like it's shaping up that way, where there's a decent amount of guys like Royce O'Neal and the, the flat minimum, then I think you Harden is a, a reasonable payoff. Especially, like, it's, it's hard to... It's hard to pay high prices for guys, but if you're going to pay up peak prices, you might as well do it for a guy like Harden. You know, like I'd compare him across the court to a guy like Ben Simmons, who's at 10.6 and literally his highest price of the season. I'd rather play Harden at, you know, 10% under his high price of the season in probably a similar matchup. So, yeah, I think I could play Harden tonight. Another guy I wrote up was Capella. Uh, Capella's played major minutes over the short term, and the, he's he's rebounded decently. He's not scored at all. Like, he's taking any shots. That pick and dive is just not really working with him and Harden. Or I mean, it really hasn't had to either. Like, Harden has just been... When Harden shoots 30, points, 30 times a game, it's going to be hard for anyone else to get any ball in the basket. It's just an insane amount of usage. Yeah, seven, four, and two shots for Capella over the short term. But what we've seen from the Sixers since Embiid's been out is that opposing bigs, specifically centers, have just destroyed them on rebounds, which yep. it makes sense. Like, when you have Jonah Bolden and Amir Johnson sometimes in the game, and then other times it's like... Again, Ben Simmons is playing center because they bring in Mike Scott, and that's the unit they're running. Do you, could we see a peak rebounding game out of Capella in this one? He had 15 boards last game, and really doesn't seem like anyone's going to offer a ton of resistance, at least on the inside. Yeah, I like Capella. I think he's a good option. I think he's still potentially underpriced here. I think he, you know, again, by the old litmus test of look at the average production over the course of the year and then try to determine if the role has changed. Capella's been in the same role all year, or arguably inhabiting a bigger role now than he has been in the past, and averaged paying this price pretty handily. And I get that that game log recently hasn't especially borne that out. You know, it's particularly on the offensive end. He's averaging 17 points a game on the season. And he's failed to get double-digit points in the last three games. You certainly don't like to see that. But I think the fact that he can just absolutely bury teams on the boards when they're ill-equipped down low, uh, like the 15-rebound game against Toronto or the 17-rebound game against Charlotte, this game certainly seems to be shaping up that way for me. Yeah, and that 15-rebound game against Toronto is when they, for Toronto, inexplicably decided to start Ibaka at center over Gasol. And so, like, exactly. you, just could see it, you could just see it coming. Like, well, who was going to... Who's going to get in Capella's way here? This is the same exact situation here with the Sixers. So at 6,700 on DraftKings, he's near lock cash game play for me. Um, he's in 84% of our lineups or something like that. Yeah, through the top 50. I would have absolutely no problem playing him. I'm not worried about the short-term scoring dip. There's This is just a situation where you could see that climb again as, again, the Sixers are not offering much in the way of size. All right, let's keep rolling. Detroit goes into Chicago. Some fantasy stuff to discuss here, specifically Blake and Drummond against a Chicago team that has really struggled to defend the bigs all season long. Chicago, I think, against opposing centers is second worst only to Brooklyn, who's been almost like historically bad against the position. But Chicago really giving them a run for their money, even with Robin Lopez around. Our system right now, for in terms of DraftKings, wants you to stack Blake and Drummond together at 86 and 8,800 respectively. They're another one of those teams fighting for a playoff spot. Could you? Is this is this the spot to just do a mini big man Detroit stack and? They seem so cheap. I'm struggling to find a way to get away from it. And we could be on the wrong side of at least ownership percentages going in 
because I don't think a lot of other people are going to maybe key in on this game. Well, I love you for a lot of reasons, buddy, but one of them is your enthusiasm for playing both of the Detroit Bigs in the in the 2018 to 2019 <laughs> season. I feel like it's been like 17 podcasts in a row where you have this uh, this crescendo of enthusiasm as you start talking about these guys peaking at the end where you want me to play with them both on both sides. <laughs> so I just want to say, don't I worry, we're going. It. It, and if you log into Twitch, log into our Twitch stream later because we can just spend the rest of the time talking about why I think this is the safest play of the night, and I'll just spend the entire. Yeah, time well, I love there. it on I love it on DraftKings. I, I think um, especially German's price is comically low on DraftKings at eighty eight hundred. Oh yeah, you're just you are really getting away with murder on that price point, and I think you'd be kind of a fool to not to not follow through on it. On FanDuel, I think it's a little bit closer. You know, Drummond. I've talked about this many times, but he really is in my mind one of the more matchup dependent bigs in the league, and that's because well for two reasons. The first is that he is kind of just a true center, and he really benefits when he's going up against teams with a true center. Uh, Like we saw him going up against Carl Anthony Towns last game. Uh, Detroit really felt like they needed him out there, and he played 38 minutes, Uh, whereas against Toronto and Cleveland, you know, there were other factors in play as well. But two teams without conventional bigs, he saw the court for fewer than 30 minutes in each of those games. Um, I will say that going up against Chicago, they're kind of a weird team right now. They've been playing Robin Lopez a lot of minutes. He is a true five and has shown an ability to really bang teams on the boards and kind of score a little bit. <laughs> like he's been, right. he's been pretty effective. And yeah, I he's think played that, a ton. It's crazy how much he's played. I, I know. That, that out of nowhere. Like I, I called this out after the Memphis game because uh, we ran him against Atlanta in that first game too. And yeah, the Bulls just think that he's the answer for them down low. And I get it. I mean, he really he's the tallest guy on the team. He's high energy and, and can really bring in on the boards and even score a little bit when things are going his way. But yeah, I think Drummond stays out there for a bit against him. And I, I think he's a playable playable option on FanDuel. I would say I really like both these guys on DraftKings. I would be less pumped about paying like the full price for Drummond versus what I believe to be a discounted price on Capella. That's kind of where I'm landing right now. But again, with all the cheap options, he kind of represents a, a one of the less risky payoff options too. Yeah, like, I mean, since basically the end of February, no, like, no, sorry, since he came back from the concussion protocol, this is back on January 25th. Oh, I just had this in front of me because I, I wrote this last night. He's, he's, I'll get it as I bring it up. His numbers have been basically insane he's essentially like a 21 and 16 guy over that over that uh that stretch with a million defensive stats he's averaging like more almost two blocks and two steals per game in that stretch so he's just great from a fantasy perspective the problem with Drummond is when he disappears he can disappear you on the price because if he gets in foul trouble that's definitely a problem for him sometimes his coefficient of variation Oh, since this season, among guys in the similar FanDuel and DraftKings points per game area is definitely the most, he's the he's the highest volatility guy of, of anyone in that group. And it makes sense. And it's mostly just around the minutes, which have been less problematic in the short term. I don't know. I think, yeah, I'm enthusiastic. I love when I see them both together. Don't want to have to choose between them. But like, <laughs> the last thing I want to do in these situations is have to choose between them. I just want to play them both. And I'm glad when the system does too. All right, Toronto, <laughs> Toronto goes in and plays New Orleans. Toronto four and a half point road favorites here. They're not in a back to back, so it doesn't stand that they'll arrest anybody. But famous last words on Toronto and all. Um, they get a good matchup against a Pelicans team that's basically in the tank and now is going to be without Drew Holiday for at least a week to ten days. He's out with injury, and then we get the Pelicans who are playing Anthony Davis twenty one minutes. I did write a Frank Jackson though because I'm, I think that actually Frank Jackson is going to start in place of Holiday here. They're going to start a Jackson and. Alfred Payton uh, backcourt. Etwan Moore's out as well. I could be wrong about that, so keep an eye on if they decide who they're going to start. Could you see playing Frank Jackson? He's near the minimums on both sites. Played like 28 minutes last game. Does seem like the first guard off the bench. 
is kind of in that Royce O'Neal area of just can do a whole hell of a lot of nothing when he's on the court. Oh, yeah. um, could, could, you, yeah, could you see punting with him, though? Because I, I get why our system wants to do it, and I'm not enthusiastic, but I get it. No, I'm psyched about it, to be honest. I think he actually, you know, we I don't know if we've, it's been a while since we've talked about what makes a good punt, but one of the things I like about Jackson is you just look at the recent game log. He's already paying or playing a decent amount of minutes. And sure, there's definitely some disappearing acts in his repertoire here, but the fact that he's the type of guy you could look at this recent game log and be like, I don't know, he's kind of good for five times points per dollar. And the fact that there's going to be increased opportunity makes it a lot less likely that he'll be awful for you tonight. And again, if you're on FanDuel and you can drop your lowest score, I think he's a pretty easy option. I will say, you know, strategically speaking on FanDuel right now, if you find yourself in a position where you're rostering both O'Neal and Frank Jackson, or frankly, just either of them, don't go out of your way to just throw away some position for free (laughs) because you definitely could could get a drop out of one of these guys pretty I would say one of them probably has it handled, (laughs) has the drop handled. Yeah, potentially. (laughs) But you can also just go off and, you know, win a big tournament. So live a little (laughs) bit, you know what I mean? Like, what what are you doing here if you're not trying to have fun? Um, On the Toronto side, the only... I'm going to mention Kawhi here mostly because FanDuel is... Very bad at small forward tonight. There's, at least for the way our system is kind of breaking it down, it wants you to play Royce O'Neal one of the spots, and then it's kind of making you choose between Kevin Durant or Kawhi. And not like they're e- either of them are great points per dollar plays, because they're not. It's just that the rest of the position is just is just flat out bad. Just like Joe Ingles is the next guy up at 6,200. I'm not all that excited about playing him, and I get that Rubio's not, not around, but... Could you see Kawhi here mostly just because of a positional scarcity piece? Like, he's 9,600. Scoring has been there at times. He's not doing a whole lot of other stuff on the box score. That always worries me a little bit with Leonard. Yeah, I kind of hate Kawhi at these prices. Like, I, I beat this drum all season long, but not that he can't do it for you from time to time, but you don't need to go very far down his game log to see that he plays 34 to 35 minutes, and it often doesn't matter on this price tag. Like, he's just a little bit overpriced based on the big name and the fact that he's probably a better real-life player than he is a daily fantasy basketball player. So I would rather not. I think, again, if I'm just looking at guys in a similar price range, I'd rather play Drummond. I'd probably rather play Durant for cheaper. You know, like, I I don't know. I, I don't think this is where I'm going to land tonight. I will say that Toronto's four-and-a-half-point road favorites, our system sees them easily covering this. Um, now, part of that is because the holiday, we may not have fully adjusted for the no holiday on the court, um, which would take up their expectation a little bit when you redistribute some of his usage and i don't think i don't think it's going to get the 11 i mean we have him easily handling like double digit wins so a double digit uh point total so if you're looking to get in an early bet on this game i could see this line creeping up on the toronto side they're like i said they're four and a half point road favorites and i think that at least our systems thinks that that is probably not all that close to reality final let's get into the 10 30 games we have a long gap but those are all eight o'clock games that we discussed and then we have a two and a half hour gap until the 10:30 games. The first one is Denver goes in and plays Golden State. Golden State is going to get Clay Thompson back here tonight. He is probable to play at this point. Uh, I did update our system to account for him being on the court and just kind of what their team looks like when they're at full strength. The sample size isn't huge, but I think it's relevant enough to bring everyone down a little bit. And when I say everyone, I mean Curry down uh, in terms of usage and Durant and all these guys. Just everyone gets ticked off a little bit in terms of like you know their overall fantasy expectation. And like they're not all that expensive against Denver either. Like Curry, he's under 10,000. And Durant's, I, we mentioned, is possible small forward play. Could you see rostering these guys against Denver tonight? Well, mostly because they just don't, doesn't seem like any of them are really breaking the bank on you. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, Golden State's a team that we're really looking for opportunities when you can pretty safely forecast these guys to play their full minutes. I think that's really the the secret sauce. Uh, all these guys kind of wind up getting underpriced over the course of the season. 
generally just because they're involved in so many blowouts as one of the teams with the best point differentials in the league. So I think you look at his Durant's recent game log, you can see pretty plainly that the plan is to play him 36 to 38 minutes per game. Uh, you see the season averages and the season-long fantasy points per game, and I think you have a pretty good picture in your mind in terms of high floor big money options tonight. I think Durant is definitely one of the more solid ones. Um, I'd say that he's probably my favorite among this group. Like, you know, I, I'd like him considerably more than Curry. Again, they're basically the same price, but Durant's just been worth three fantasy points more per game this season, and I don't have any particular reason to believe that, you know, Curry would be the favorite guy in this Denver matchup uh, instead of Durant. Uh, I think the other thing that makes me like both of those guys a little bit as well is Clay is coming back tonight. It looks like anyway. It uh, hasn't been fully confirmed. But with that minor knee thing, I, I think you could see him play something like 32 minutes instead of the full 37, uh, which would open up some more shooting for them as well. Um, and then on the Denver side, the I wrote up Gary Harris. I didn't really, actually. I, I made a mistake here because I wrote him up as a shooting guard, and he's a small forward on Fanduel, so I'll go back and correct that. But he's he's only a shooting guard on DraftKings. He's four thousand on DraftKings, uh, and the reason I mention this is because the problem with Harris leading up until basically last game was that they've been slowly bringing him back from injury in terms of his minutes. Like he started on the bench and he was playing you know, low twenties minutes per game, and they would slowly take that up, and then they moved him back into the starting lineup, and then he finally played thirty-one minutes last game. Are we feeling? Would you feel comfortable at this point with Gary Harris going like 31, 32 minutes if it seems like Denver is taking him that direction? And if that's the case, like, is he just, he almost seems like a great DraftKings play at 4,000. What are your thoughts on him? And are, we, are you confident enough that the minutes are coming back from him? Because that's really been the only issue for him uh, since coming back from injury. Yeah, I think so. You can see a pretty clear curve upward on the minutes. I will say that this happened the last time Gary Harris came back, where he ticked up to 33 minutes eventually, and then just disappeared for a 10-game stretch after, or an eight-game stretch right. after that. So I think Denver probably has that in the back of their mind. I think they're certainly playing for the postseason now, rather than uh, just trying to figure out what they can do in uh, in the regular season. And this is a good, a significant enough matchup that I think you could see him out there. I think giving him 29 minutes is certainly very fair, and I think he's very playable at that price point on DraftKings. Uh, and really, the question I think is, you know, will he could he potentially creep into FanDuel lineups? Um, you know, small forward real estate's pretty scarce, so if you're going to play Royce O'Neal everywhere, but I don't think he's a guy you should dismiss out of hand there either. Yep, I think it's going to be a close one, like I said, mostly because of how weak that small forward position is. All right, the final game, OKC goes in and plays. The Clippers, Clippers, one and a half point favorites here as they traded away their best, arguably their best player at the deadline and are still just looks like they're going to make the playoffs. So congratulations to the Sixers. They're four games up on the Kings right now uh, for that final spot in the West. Um, OKC is coming off a overtime win against Portland last night. So they're on the back-to-back after the OT. How much do we factor that into our projections, knowing that they played extra minutes last night and have to turn it around real quick. Uh, and, you know, it's not even in the same city. So they got to turn it around, travel, and then play against the Clippers here. Also knowing that they're another team that is fighting pretty hard to at least have home court advantage through the first round of the playoffs. That's OKC. They're, um, they're in the three speed right now, but it's basically a three-team fight for the last two spots. Do we go max minutes again on Russ and PG? Because if that's the case, these guys probably end up start creeping into lineups as well with a game that has, I think this has the highest over-under. Yeah, 236.5 is the highest over-under on the day. Where do we land on the OKC guys? It feels like there's some context that we need to maybe parse through. Yeah, I think that's it. I think one thing I, I just have so many questions about is the schedule making in the NBA. It's been it's a disaster. It's a disaster. It's been really, really hard this season. Like, you know, especially post All Star break here. Like the whole thing was like, yeah, hey, we'll have this nice long All Star break and give everyone a rest. Well, what kind of rest is, you know, coming back? This is the second time 
in a week that Oklahoma City has had a back-to-back in different cities. They had at San Antonio, home for Memphis, and then they're now they're going at Portland, and uh, I, I forget who they're even playing tonight. Off time, all right, at, at the Clippers, right? Yeah. So that's just brutal, man. <laughs> that's just really, really, really hard to play, especially West Coast games. Stay up all that time and fly, and, and then sit down and play again. So all we can really do is look at what the the Thunder have done in the past. Uh, in the last two times this has happened, uh, Westbrook's minutes in particular have been less. Uh, so he played 36 minutes on the second half of the back, most recent back-to-back, and he played 35 minutes uh, on the second half of the Utah-Sacramento back-to-back uh, right before the All-Star break. Or, I'm sorry, right after the All-Star break. And, you know, there was some foul trouble issues in that game and, you know, some context around that. But I think there is a pretty clear track record of these guys losing a minute or two. Now, it doesn't make them unplayable necessarily, but I think you do want to keep that in mind. And on a night with so many different payoff options and punts that we've discussed, like, you're definitely not destroying your your chances to win by not playing these guys tonight. Yeah, and remember, like, PG just sat out three games with a mysterious, like, shoulder injury. It was really never totally discussed about what it was now it doesn't seem like it's, it hasn't affected his minutes and you know sometimes non-leg issues aren't going to affect your conditioning at all but because he, he played 38 he played 38 minutes in in regulation over the past two games still taking a ton of shots he's another one they're daring you to play him at this price on DraftKings. he's sub ten thousand for a guy that's taken 20 plus shots a game he's just coming off you know double digit rebounding in two of the last four games he's he i could see him having pretty high ownership again and like you said i'd be a little bit concerned that at some point you do need to just manage these guys because no matter what, OKC is just going to be in the playoffs. Like whether they have home court advantage or not, it's unclear about how important that is to them. But they do need to make sure they're healthy because they're a very good team and they could make a run. So I yeah, I want to make the case that PG could be gassed here too. Like I saw, like especially we faded him on the second half of that Utah Sacramento back to back after he played 50 minutes in a, a double overtime game against Utah and people in the chat the next day were really concerned ah, can we really fade PG it's a better matchup than last night we played him last night and I made the case that yeah I think you don't need to play him there were other options too but uh, he came out and shot four for 19 from the field and including two for nine from three and his shooting percentage as he's been playing these big minutes it's been falling off a cliff recently he hasn't topped 32 percent from the field including Really, really poor shooting from three, uh, which you know many people do attribute to having dead legs. So I, I well, dead be... legs plus a bad shoulder, like dead legs plus a bad De- shoulder. Yeah, exactly. And... This is not a great recipe for good long-term shooting success. So I, uh, I, I definitely, I would rather not play Paul George, especially on Fanduel. I, I definitely don't want to play him there on DraftKings. It's a little closer, and I think you know you're in the position of reading the tea leaves and, and seeing where the chalk is headed. But uh, there's, so, I mean, we talked about so many good big money options tonight that I, I just don't think you need to force it. Yeah, the final thing about that, because that's a great point about his shooting. Uh, these are his last four games. So he went two for nine. Then he, This is from three. Um, he, I'll, I'll just do the three-point ones because it's just more stark. Two for nine, uh, then three for 14. Then is hurt for three games. Then comes back four for 14, and last night shot one for nine. Um, if if it was just, if there was no, nothing else going on, then I would say, oh, you can just run bad. And that just, that that has happened for time immemorial on guys when they just have go through runs mm-hmm. of bad shooting. But like you said, when he's been playing the most minutes he's ever played, uh, plus a shoulder injury, I, I'm with you. I'd be, I start to get a little concerned about, yeah, you know, there's, there's might be more context than we think about why these shots aren't going down. 
And famous last words when he just goes like you know ten for fourteen from three to nine and just yeah. puts up like sixty points because like that no me, doubt about me mentioning stuff like this is almost the exact recipe for a guy going completely off. And with that, we are going to get out of here. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is a site. DFSR.com/deals is going to get you the podcast listener uh, a free trial to our pr- uh, premium projection service with optimal ads for FanDuel and DraftKings. Uh, includes members only chat includes our betting table it will include baseball when it comes around less than a month away we've got some baseball content coming out over the next couple weeks as well so it's all covered under one subscription package dfsr.com slash deals and make sure you log in to twitch tonight twitch.tv slash dfsr podcast and we're going to be live streaming leading into lineup lock getting you set for fandle DraftKings, yahoo it's all covered so go check out all that stuff uh we'll be back again next week with more podcasts buddy enjoy your friday night in the nba peace Fall is finally here, and so is Old Navy's Big Fall Sale. Get thousands of styles from just 5 bucks. All your fall favorites are on sale now. Layer up with $5 tees and $10 long-sleeve tees for the whole family, and stock up on sweaters and dresses for just $15. Plus, save even more with up to 75% off clearance styles. Don't miss out. Hurry in for thousands of styles from just 5 bucks now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1015 to 1025 select styles only. Fall is finally here, and so is Old Navy's Big Fall Sale. Get thousands of styles from just 5 bucks. All your fall favorites are on sale now. Layer up with $5 tees and $10 long-sleeve tees for the whole family, and stock up on sweaters and dresses for just $15. Plus, save even more with up to 75% off clearance styles. Don't miss out. Hurry in for thousands of styles from just 5 bucks now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1015 to 1025, select styles only.